Good morning. Good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored loving memory of Amos Megidish. Amos Ben Misa. Sponsored anonymously. Amen. <clears throat> In this week's parasha, we describe the various articles of clothing that are designed and their intent is to raise up and to give a beautiful profile to the Kohanim. To make him sanctified, to make him as a Kohen. For honor and for glory. And although today the Kohanim do not wear these very special clothes, uh, even though if there's any Kohanim here, we're not uh, dissing your uh, fashion sense. But you do not wear a special uh, big day kehuna. However, the obligation of likavod utifaret to to raise up a kohen and to treat the kohen with kavod and with respect is as uh, existent and extant today as it was back then. It manifests itself in the halachot of the Kohen's aliyah, in the Kohen giving of the beracha and the Beit Knesset, and of course as well in the idea of being having a Kohen be misharetu. To ask a Kohen to do something for you is a big no-no. So if that's the case, so we have this idea of kavod and tif'aret in a Kohen even to this very day. Rabotai, one of the things that we said that we mentioned was the beracha that the Kohanim are endowed with. They are given this special beracha to be able to give to Am Yisrael. In fact, we say it every day when we say the berachot. We talk about the obligation, the, uh, the, the emor lahem. This is what you should say to them. Cause them to say. We say out loud Kohanim and then they repeat the beracha. There was an unbelievable case that came in front of Rav Zilberstein in Israel. There was a Kohen, a wonderful man, a big Sadiq, who was the only Kohen in a certain Minyan. That's how you know that this story happened by the Ashkenazim. It's by the Sepharadim, especially by the Syrians. Half of the shul is Kohanim. It's an unbelievable thing. People who come from other communities to our community and they see so many Kohanim, they, can never, they can't believe it. You could sometimes be, I remember being in a synagogue where a third of the people, by the time Kohanim, went up to the front. It was unbelievable. I was, I, I've never seen anything like it. So I was there with the Kohen, and the Kohen, sorry, with the Ashkenaz guy, and he, his jaw dropped. He never saw anything like it. He says, how is it that all these Syrians are Kohanim? He says, it sounds to me like the Syrians, they're pulling a SY sketch. You know, they, they heard that when Mashiach comes, they're going to get the extra portion, so they're already signing up for the Kohen scheme. So I said to him, you know, I have a smach, I have an example of this from the Torah, from the Tanakh itself. He says, what do you mean you have an example? He says, you have a proof that the, the Syrians are Kohanim? I said, I don't have a proof that the Syrians are Kohanim. But I have a proof of something else that maybe uh, bolsters the, the authenticity of this claim. He said, what is it? I said, if you look in the, in the Nach, you'll find that there's a place called Nov Ira Kohanim. Nov was a city full of Kohanim that had a tragic end because David HaMelech came over there. And he, uh, in the story, they protected him when he was running away from Shaul. Shaul came, he saw that David was being protected, and he, there was a massacre um, to be able to, because he thought that they were on David's side, and he killed many, many, many people. So David HaMelech always felt a debt of gratitude to the Kohanim of this destroyed city of Nov. Uh, uh, he found a debt of gratitude to them. So number one, you find this idea that geographically, Kohanim lived in one city. Number two, if you go to the Gemara in Gitin, the Gemara in Gitin says 
that the land of Syria was conquered by David HaMelech, his general, Yoav ben Syria, and it was... It stands to reason that if David felt a debt of gratitude, which we know he did, after he became king, he sustained the people of Nov. It makes sense that this new area that he conquered, he would have allowed or allotted a place or a portion to the Kohanim to go and live. So it makes sense that many of the Kohanim that are under David's rule would have moved to a new place that he conquered and allowed them to stay, which may, may be the historical result as to why there are many Kohanim or, the, or a disproportionately high number of Kohanim amongst the Syrians in our community. There was a scenario, though, where a, a question that came to Rav Zilberstein of a city that only had one Kohen. There was one Kohen in the Minyan, and every day the Kohen in Yerushalayim would give the Beracha to the Kehillah. One day, this Kohen comes to synagogue, and he has a property that's worth half a million shekel, this Kohen. A man comes up to him, a real estate agent in the synagogue, and the real estate agent says, listen, I know you have this property, you bought it for half a million. He goes, I, I, I think I could actually sell it for much more. I'm going to buy it off you for a million shekel. The Kohen, Sadiq of a guy, very sweet, very tamim, big Sadiq. He says, oh wow, fantastic. That day, they draw up the papers, the property is sold to, the, to this real estate agent who prays in the synagogue. Doesn't take till that afternoon for the Kohen to find out that the property that he just sold at the profit of a million shekel is actually worth four million shekel. The real estate agent knows exactly what's going on. He knows the Kohen is a, a sadiq of a guy, he doesn't have his head in real estate and value. He's praying, he's learning, he's doing everything all day. So he says to the Kohen, so what's it called? So he took advantage of him. The Kohen comes back to the guy and he says, please, Dachilak, I didn't know. And the guy says to him, look, this is business. You know, you had a property. I, I offered you an offer. You took the offer. What do you want from my life? What do you want from my life? He says to the Kohen. The next morning, the guy, the, uh, everyone comes to synagogue. Comes time for Kohanim. There's nobody standing on the bima. They're looking around to see where he is. They figure maybe he's in the bathroom. The next day, no Kohen. Now they realize already something's going on. They go visit the Kohen, and the Kohen says, listen, I came to synagogue. The only thing that I have of value in my life is this property. I was going to use it to support my family, to marry off my children, right? This guy comes up to me in the synagogue, in Borov, he tells him the whole story. He says, I'm looking at this guy. I went and I told him, you know, that you knew that it was worth more. How did you do this to me? And his response was, you know, this is business. All's fair in the business, love and war. He says... I know that if I come to the synagogue and make the beracha, the halacha is a kohen that has to make a beracha. How does he make the beracha? Exactly, be'ahava. He has to bless the Jewish people, be'ahava. There's a man in the synagogue, he says, that I hate him. I, and for a kohen to make birkat kohanim, when he hates someone in the keilah, it's a terrible onish. just want to read you this. It says, the Zohar HaKadosh says, sakana hilo. It's a sakana for the kohen, to, uh, to uh, do the beracha if, he, if, he's, if it's not be'ahava. So he says, so, so long as this guy is in the synagogue, he says, I've decided that I can't pray in this synagogue. I have to go pray somewhere else. They say to him, but you're our only Kohen. He says, what, what do you want me to do? You know, the situation is what the situation is. The people go to the man and they say, how could you do this? They're pushing him. The guy says, listen, even though I bought it for much less than it's worth, the halakha states that there's no onaa bekarkaot. 
Onaa means that there's a halakha that's brought down. The Gemara Baba Metziah. The Gemara says that if a person pays um, a, a, a ridiculously cheaper amount, it's cheaper in the price of the of an object, or the other way around, and they had no idea and they were taken advantage of. More than a sixth, again, there's specifically halachot around all we're not going to get into it, but the mechira is batel. Why? Because it's ona'ah. So he said, but there's no ona'ah be karkaot. Halacha is, on a piece of land, there's no, kar- there's no ona'ah. So he says, look, I did what I did, it's halacha. You know, you're telling me, ask me to do something nice. You know, I made a nice profit now. You're making me return my profit when I don't have to return it. I'm not willing, he says, I'm not willing to return it. The people come to Rabbi Zilberstein and they say, this is the case. Do we have the right to force the real estate agent to leave our synagogue in order that we have Birkat Kohanim every day in the shul? Do we have the right to do that? Rabbi Zilberstein says, not only do you have the right to do it, he says, you should have done it already. They say, what do you mean? He says, nothing to do with the Kohen, you should throw the guy out of the shul. He says, why? He said, number one, the, uh, what's it called? Number one, the Ramah is posek in Shulchan Aruch, that even though there's no ona'ah karkaot, if it's double the price, if a person pays more than double the price, so not a six, but double, if it's such a big differential, then even in karkaot, the, the, the sale goes back. You're just starting out in the business. There's all valuable information for you in the real estate world. Don't be that guy, right? And number one, he says. Number two, he says, there's a whole slew of Isurim that the guy was over on. He was over on Ona'at Devarim. He was over on Mitzvat Asemid Oraita of Lefna'i Velotiten Mechshol. He was over on a, what's it called, on a, on a Isur of Gineva Dat. This is a man who's a crook, who's a rasha, who's a heartless man sitting amongst your mists. You should throw him out of the shul because he has no place in the synagogue. And then you could go and tell the Kohen that it's time to come back. Abutai, I was thinking to myself when I was reading this, it's not really fair what we have going on here with the Kohanim. Because effectively, for them, in order to be able to do the berachot, the mitzvot that they have to do, it's not just that they have a mitzvah like the rest of us, and if you're not loving someone as best you can, so you know what, you have fulfilled the haftarach With the Kohen, if someone has harmed him or caused him to hate them because he's been, he treated them wrong, he did them wrong, for them, it, it obviates from them, it takes from them the ability to be able to do one of their most special mitzvot that they have in their lives today, what does a Kohen do? How many mitzvot does a Kohen have that he could fulfill in today's day and age as a Kohen? He could do the, take the money for the pidyon aben. He could give birchat kohanim. How many other mitzvot does a Kohen can he do, can he fulfill in our day? And when you cause a Kohen to hate you, and then he can no longer make the beracha, you rob him of such a special mitzvah that is his very identity. Rabotai, we have to be careful to be honest and upright people. We have to be careful with all the mitzvot that we mentioned. This person that he did, uh, that, he was, uh, that he transgressed by not being honest in his business. But I think we also need to be extra careful with the kohanim. To be in a position with them where we never give them any cause that they're hurt by or devastated by our actions so they can no longer actually even make the beracha and fulfill the mitzvot as kohanim. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.